morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. Great to have you joining us on this snowy morning. So uh, first off, a huge thank you. We are so, so, so grateful to the tech guys, the tech volunteers, the tech team who came in this morning to get everything set up and get us out there live streaming. For those of you who don't know, or those of you watching from sunny Arizona, <laughs> we're in the midst of a big snowstorm here in the Northeast. So big thank you to all you guys. Deeply, deeply appreciate it. So again, welcome to New Church Live. Great to have you joining us, whether that's live or archived or from any part of the country you might be tuning in. We've got a great service ahead for you. To get us started, what we're going to do is we're going to do just a couple of quick announcements, tell you some of the things that are going on. The first is done by video from my partner in crime, Angela. Good morning. Welcome to New Church Live. My name is Angela Cooper, and I just want to welcome you all to church. I am behind the scenes helping organize and get people connected and plugged into the New Church Live community, and I just want to welcome you and share some things that are going on right now. Um, I'm away this week, but I just wanted to pop in and say hello, show my face, and um, connect with you. So um, there's still a lot of really exciting things going on, and I just want to fill you in on a couple of them. Um, I've been mentioning for the past couple weeks that we're collecting a handful of items to support some local organizations organizations. And I've been so thrilled with all of the donations and we just want to continue to get the word out and let people know how to support. Um, so we are collecting um, food, um, snack items like chips and um, crackers and easy to hand out items um, as well as diapers um, and a handful of other things, juice boxes, things like that. Um, for St. Francis Inn. And we created an Amazon wish list. Um, and if you connect either on the chat window or if you connect with our website, we have an online form you can fill out and it will get to me. I can send you that link. We also put it in our newsletter every week and we just have an Amazon wish list where you can you know, um, order things and have them delivered right to the New Church Live office and then we'll get those down there. Um, we're also collecting bottles of water to support Angels in Motion and we have a wonderful volunteer who's been delivering all of those items regularly and they've been thrilled at the um, response. They aren't collecting coats or um, clothing items anymore. We overwhelmed them. You were all so generous. So thank you everyone who contributed. Um, so we're just collecting snack items, juice boxes, diapers, and water. And like I said, there's an Amazon wish list if you want to use that, or you can drop them off at the New Church Live office and I'll put that address right on here. Um, and it's super easy to donate. We are also in the middle. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chuck shared a story about a couple who had purchased, a, you know, a portion of a cow for a meat delivery and how that kind of we worked with a local farmer and then we got it to a local organization who hadn't seen meat for their, um, you know, the food that they were distributing in months and they were able to support the local community that way. And we have um, a handful of people who want to get involved with that again. Um, so if you're interested in participating, donating um, and getting involved in the meat delivery, um, we're in the middle of collecting donations to support that and we're hoping to have that meat um, butchered and ready to go by the end of February. So um, putting that out there and we are encouraging anyone who wants to get involved to um, again fill out the form on our website or put your information in the chat window or um, I'll put my email address in here as well and you can connect with me and I can get you the information that you need to know. 
It's been so amazing to watch this congregation continue to support our local community during this time. And um, I'm just always amazed at how people show up and the organizations that we work with are blown away by your generosity. So thank you. Um, Pastor Chuck is going to share with you about our small group program. It's not too late to sign up. Um, and we have a lot of different groups going. So Pastor Chuck will fill you in on that. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is that we still are um, continuing to thrive based on your support and generosity. And if you want to make a donation to New Church Live, you know, it supports all of the community service work that we've talked about, all the small groups, the band, the Sunday service, the live stream, all the ways that we're connecting with people during this virtual time. Um, it's super easy to do. All you have to do is text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. And you can make a donation. You can set up a reoccurring donation and just support New Church Live and uh, the work that we're doing here. So happy Sunday. I hope you all have a wonderful day and um, I look forward to connecting with you. Have a great day. So thank you, Angela. Really appreciate that. And I am here to announce with our small group program. The small group programs are so precious. You know, they're, they're just a simple way to connect. Dorothy Day put it this way. She said, you know, we've all known the long loneliness and we know that the only solution is community. And I believe that's so true. And it's community, the best communities, I think, are, are communities, and this is across denominations. The best communities are those who are always looking for a higher purpose. You know, the best communities are always those who are searching for a higher purpose. And I'd add on this word, together. Searching for a higher purpose, together. Finding a life of meaning, together. Supporting each other, cheering each other on, together. We had our first group for my, the group that I'm leading with Rebecca Cooper. We had that on Thursday night. It was beautiful. If those small groups are interest, have an interest for you, you know, please contact Angela again or contact myself. Again, you can text me, and this is important. People do it throughout the service. You can text me at 215-740-3662, 215-740-3662. If that has interest to you, it's a wonderful way to get involved. And this week, what we're going to look at is this beautiful idea of a pop-up conversation, what is your history? We're designing this a little bit differently this time around in that if you just want to do a one-off small group and you just want to grab some buddies, hop online, chat about, yeah, what's your history? It's a great question. And this is the way to get at it. What we're going to ask people to do is to come up with a six-word or less autobiography. So write your autobiography in six words or less, and then just share that in a small group and, and find a way to fill it in. Just listen to how people fill it in. It's a fun exercise. I've done it before with people. It's a very, very interesting way to get to learn and know a little bit more about those we live with and those who are part of our congregation. So with that, folks, we're going to go ahead and get started. Now, again, musicians weren't able to make it in, so we have, we have music today, but this is from the wonderful archive of the incredible musicians we've been able to host here at New Church Live. So enjoy the song. After the song, I'll be back out, and we will start today's service. Welcome to New Church Live. What a great, what a great song. What a great way to start Sunday morning with you folks. And really an honor and a, and a privilege to be here. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun service ahead. You know, I, it's, it's, it's about how do we hold these conflicts between each other? I mean, that's what the service essentially comes down to. How do we hold these conflicts between each other? And, and the Bible has so much to say about that. And Jesus has so much to say about that. 
And, and what I'm going to do today, you know, I was just telling a friend of mine who's a math teacher, so much of math is like where you put the parentheses. Remember that from back in the day with Algebra 2? Uh, you know, where are the parentheses and solve inside the parentheses? And, and so much of the Bible is we chunk it into this chunk and that chunk, and we forget that it was an oral tradition. As Will said, it was an oral tradition. It was this thing that we were supposed to hear the whole story and see how all the parts connected. And as many of you know, you know, we do a little Bible study every weekday morning on Facebook Live, just a short little thing. And, and it's been really fun, like going through and, and speaking seriatim, in other words, one thing after another, because you start to see the connections. And today's service is based on seeing some of those connections. And I hope to be able to communicate with you, you know, the beauty of those connections and what it, what it may have to teach us. Now, the series overview here, we're looking at the three temptations. We've gone through the challenge to rethink. And today we're looking at deciding to follow. Like, what does it look like to actually follow? And it, it comes down to, to this particular line in the, in the Bible. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is a call that Jesus gave to those who are about to follow him. He said, follow me. Right? And it's, and it's a beautiful line, and you can preach just a sermon on that part. In other words, you can put the Algebra 2 you know, parentheses around that to say, let's look at this. But I want to bump it out a little bit and, and to see it in sort of a broader context of that particular phrase, a beautiful phrase. So it starts, it starts with the idea that Jesus was alone and he's, and he's facing these three temptations. This is from, if you're following along at home, this is from Matthew. And he's, he's, he's facing all these temptations. And this is before what's known as his public ministry. So he grows up, he's 30 some odd years old, and he faces all these challenges, faces them alone. Again, there's three of them. And that in and of itself is a whole sermon series. And I just want to focus on one of them today to sort of set one side of the parentheses. And that is this particular temptation here. And again, this is from Matthew. This is Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9. The devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now notice again, kingdoms of the world. It's plural there, and it's of the world, and their glory. And said to Jesus, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. So that's, that's the, the one setup there. You know, this, this idea of he's promising the kingdoms of the world and what he's saying, I will give all this to you, you know, if you bow down and worship me. Now, now just these, these lines alone, folks, are, are um, you know, it's interesting to think of this as a temptation, right? Because so much of our lives is, is, is can oftentimes get kind of misoriented around like just, just sheer accumulation of stuff, right? Kingdoms of the world, just more and more and more and more and more and more. And that's, that can be a temptation. And, and here, you know, if you don't like the word, some people don't like the word the devil, just think of darkness. You know, that's what darkness kind of speaks to us with, with those promises of a, of a kingdom that's not even its to give. So here you have this, this basic core temptation. This basic core, and the word you could fill in there for temptation is challenge. From a Christian New Church perspective, we actually believe that when we experience these challenges, however they might look, it's actually incredibly good news. Because it means that there's something growing in our life, and as things grow in our life, the challenges grow as well. 
But those challenges aren't there to sort of beat down the good stuff. Those challenges are there to help us to refine our gifts and our skills, to help us to become better and better people. And, uh, you know, as somebody said, which I loved, he said, you know, why do we have an ego? And this, this particular rabbi said, because, because our, our better selves need a worthy opponent. And that's what this is. It's, it's about an opposition that can actually help us to grow, help us to grow. So that's one end of the parentheses. Now, I'm going to juxtapose that. Like, again, bow down, bow down and worship me with follow me. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that, sort of give a little background first. So in, in speaking of it, I want to I talk about how this can look in a couple of different ways. I think so much, right, when we, when we look at this, at this idea, right, that the, the darkness in our lives, whatever you want to call it, our ego, when our egos completely run amok, is... is is it, it's so oriented towards power. Do I have it? Do I not have it? If I don't have it, I can assume the victim role. If I do have it, I can assume a sort of an authoritarian role out there in the world. And, and the, the conflict is pretty straightforward. We have a conflict between the conflicts of power and the bonds of love. I mean, I think so much of life is like working at balancing these two out. And I think the, the, the challenge here with conflicts of power, with conflicts of power, is, is, is this, this temptation, right, to like look at the darkness, the darkness saying, look, I have all this to give you. And, and it's, it's, it's offering to give us the kingdoms of the world. Not the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of the world. And it also has, this is real important, it also has sort of this energy of a demand. Please listen carefully to this. The energy of a demand is very different from the openness of an invitation. The energy of a demand is very different from the openness of an invitation. And there's, there's just something about our human nature, based as it is with, with freedom and our desire to have sort of a freedom of spirit, that, that, that isn't going to do terribly well with these conflicts of power. It's not going to, you know, conflicts of power tend to not bring out the best in us. These demands, these, these, this demanding sort of energy does not tend to bring out the best in us. And maybe I should just say for myself, it doesn't tend to, to, to bring out the best in me. If I'm thinking about the demands and the conflicts of power, I very rarely am trying to touch the better angels of my nature. I'm very rarely taking a breath and trying to listen for the still, small voice of God. I'm very rarely humble. We can see that there are choices here. And what one author said that I, that I really liked, he said, you know, if we have, if it's all about this conflicts of power and this, this demanding energy, what, what he believed that we would develop, and I love this phrase, is a hermeneutics of suspicion. Hermeneutics, there's a, there's a, a big scrabble word. So hermeneutics, hermeneutics kind of means this is your argument, this is your paradigm, this is the way you see the world. And if it's all about power, all about this zero-sum gain kind of stuff, 
Well, what does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to have a hermeneutics of suspicion. I'm always going to be suspicious that somebody is trying to take power away from me. See, that's very different from love. See, all of us know that the more, the more loving we are, you know, the more that love grows. But, but with the kingdoms of the world, it's very different. It's much more of a zero-sum gain where, where if I gain, you lose, and if you gain, I lose. And that creates this hermeneutics of suspicion, and it's, and it's not a great world to live in. It's a world far more based on testing, far less based on trusting. Now, I want to show you a little graphic here. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I find it humorous, you know, around what those, those, that hermeneutics of suspicion, what it might actually look like. It's a little marshmallow and a stick, and I've used this before, but it's so good. And it's, it's the idea, like, that's the hermeneutics of suspicion. You know, that idea, this is awkward. This is awkward. And, and you can imagine, folks, like, like that's, just, that's just not the way we solve problems. I want, to, I want to talk about that. Like, I think this is really important. If, if we're based on this conflicts of power, which Jesus is, you're going to see in a minute here, is going to call us away from, it's very hard to solve problems. It's very hard to engage together. It's where we can confuse. Ready for this, folks? I think it's important. It's ready for this where we can infuse expression with action. And it's not to say that expression of opinions or positions or, or, or things are, is important. You know, church is a certain form of expression, right? But it also, that expression has to give rise to, to what we're actually doing. Action. It, it has to have this idea that, that we're trying to bring it together and we're trying to bring, bring different positions together, different points of view. And that's going to mean we all just give each other a break. We just got to give each other a break. That in God's providence, we're all just doing the best we can with the information we have at that moment. That, I think, gets us closer to the bonds of love. Now, in looking, at the, in looking at the bonds of love and looking at how that works and what Jesus is actually talking about here as we move away from, a, from a, you know, a demand to bow down and worship me to an invitation, and this is the invitation here, folks. Look at the line here. The invitation to follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's, it's, it's subtle, but it's so different. And, and I have to be honest as a pastor here, you know, I hadn't seen the connection between those two because the parentheses were always around three temptations of Christ. You preach on that. Then you put another parentheses around Jesus' call to the disciples, follow me. And the reality is, I think, if we look at this from the way the Bible was written, we have to put the parentheses around the three temptations and the other one around follow me. Like, what if we look at it that way? What if we see these two stories as connected? That follow me, it's, it's like it's a subtle difference between worship me. It's not a command to worship me. It's not a command to bow down. It's actually a command to stand up. 
It's actually a command to stand up. Sit with that. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a command that we sort of have to travel on some kind of pilgrimage to finally have this epiphany where the clouds part and we finally see it. It's not that at all. It's, it's God calling to us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's God knocking at the door in our very ordinariness of life. Literally, where you are sitting or watching or listening in the car right now, is where God is saying, follow me. Follow me. I don't know what that looks like on I-95 and snow, but I think, I think you guys can get like, wow, that's, 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 a pretty big, that's a pretty big deal. And I think we are supposed to juxtapose it. Like, like Jesus isn't coming to, these, to these, these fishermen and saying like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, it's not considered one of the temptations of, of Christ for us is to say like, I, I'm going to see, are you going to worship and bow down and follow me? And I'm going to give you all this, you know, the kingdoms of the world. It's not that at all. It's this simple, gentle, follow me. I don't see Jesus saying that with a lot of, lot of strident, you know, really uh, severe language. I see it saying him, saying it with a smile. So what does that mean, you know, as we follow, as we follow Jesus, walking his, watching his feet kind of leading a path for us? I think it gets back to, again, that bonds of love. The bonds and the connectedness of love that comes when we learn to follow. And again, there's a standing up there. There's a standing up. There's a movement. Folks, this is so good. There's a journey. There's a journey. And we're never on it alone. And our job, just keep going and, and keep Jesus in view, keep God in view, keep the Lord in view, and, and just keep following as best you can from where you are. And what is it that we learn there? Well, I love the idea that we learn empowerment and responsibility. First with empowerment. We move from the controlling grip of darkness to the empowering presence of God. I know for me, when I get all worried and in my head about like this, that, or the other thing, about the, the, the you know, power things and power this and power that, you know, who has it, who doesn't, do I, do I, all that crazy stuff, like that's a dark place. That's, that's a place that puts me purely into my head. God has no desire to have a controlling grip, a controlling grip on your life. He just doesn't. Human nature, made in the image of likeness and God, made in the image and likeness of God, will push back against that. That view of God maybe something where we take refuge in a certain sense, but it's not a good kind of refuge. It's, it's a refuge from our God-intended freedom and our God-intended empowerment. If we have this idea, the controlling grip of God, we have no agency. 
There's no as of self where we, where we do what's good, understanding the goodness is from the God, is from God, but willing at the same time to raise our hand and to do what we can do. As the saying goes, pray like it all depends on God because it does. Act like it depends on you. I think that's the as of self marriage right there where we, where we get this is God's good we are passing on. This is God's truth we are passing on. This is God's service we are passing on. We need, we need to follow him to do that. So that's the first one, empowerment. I think real important, again, the empowering presence of God. If, if our view of God takes more from controlling to empowering, I think we need to look at that, all of us. Is your view of God an empowering view of the world? Is it an empowering view of God? Is it an empowering view of heaven? Is it an empowering view of church? Part two, responsibility. What we can develop then, folks, is this theology of responsibility. Response. Able to respond. This following Jesus, this follow me versus bow down and worship me. Bow down and worship me. You're flat on the ground. You are just a, a, an accumulator, a receiver. You're not doing anything. That's the temptation. This follow me, we're standing up. We're moving. We're humble. We're willing to follow we're willing to even be surprised. And what we will find there is that we have made a choice towards an empowering view of God, and we have also chosen this theology of responsibility. I, I can't, like, this is, this is so big. If we don't have a theology of responsibility, we're totally missing the gospel. I think I can say that categorically. Uncategorically, excuse me. You know, that, that if we don't actually have a theology of responsibility, now, now theology means God logic. In other words, if, if we don't see God as sort of calling us to responsibility, we'll miss it. And, and folks, like, not all of that is big and grand. Oftentimes, it's just like this story for Follow Me, where, where, where Jesus, like, finds these, these people in their ordinary lives. In other words, God finds you right where you are right now. Not then, not there, here and now. I loved, and some of you have heard me share this before, but I just feel called to share it again because, you know, we have different viewers, different weeks. It's a beautiful story, a uh, beautiful essay, actually, that I had read, and it was, it, was a, it was an old book. I was in a secondhand bookstore. I'm still kicking myself for not buying the book. It was this old book. It was written, like, in the 40s, and it said, it was some title, like, 100's Greatest Sermons Ever Preached in the in the United States. So I'm flipping through to see if there's anything on the new church and, and Emmanuel Swedenborg in there. Emmanuel Swedenborg is sort of our founder. He'd be very similar. If you're Lutheran, he'd be very similar to Martin Luther in terms of how we would hold him in the new church. So I'm flipping through the book, and there's a sermon there by the man who was the founder of the Unitarian Universalist Church, what is known in my line of work as the UUs. And, and and this guy, this guy was talking about new church theology, Christian new church theology. And he said, well, yeah, Christian new church theology. The brilliance of it 
is, is that everything becomes sacred. And then he had this line, and it was, it was really good. He said, even your job is sacred. Like, how good is that? Even your job is sacred. Even, in, even your job is a way to hear that gentle call of Jesus saying, follow me. Follow me. And I think, folks, it, it doesn't take a leap of imagination to see how a new form of empowerment takes place there. A new form of responsibility takes place there. Where we're no longer victim to our own lives. We're actually empowered to bring the kingdom of God right here and right now. Not bringing us something we create, but something that we allow to flow through us from the Creator. So, when we come back from our middle song, I want to take a look more exactly about what does this really look like? Like, what does this new empowerment and what does this new responsibility look like in our lives? Oh, isn't that fun? So I hope, I hope that Mary is watching that out in Las Vegas right now. Mary watches us online and... Uh, yeah, a little warmer than it is here today. So, so folks, let's look at this idea of empowerment responsibility again. So, so a couple of things here with empowerment responsibility. One is, let's just think about this for a second. I think Jesus is, is, is moving us this direction because the two have to go together. An empowering view of God, a theology of responsibility. I think they have to go together. Why is that? Well, just imagine you empower people without any sense of responsibility. <laughs> it's, like, it's like giving your 12-year-old the keys to the car. And just go, you're empowered to drive, go wherever you want. That doesn't work. And it's the same if we give people responsibility. If we say, look, look, you're responsible for this, but I'm not going to empower you to do it. Well, that doesn't work either. And we all know how frustrating that is. I hear from people in, in work situations where they're, where they're responsible for certain things, but they don't feel empowered at all to get it to happen. That doesn't work. I think whether you're talking businesses, families, and churches, and I'm going to say New Church Live is right in that bucket too. Like We have to be able to bring empowerment and responsibility together. An empowering view of God, which empowers you, and a theology of responsibility, a God logic that says we are responsible for our fellow human beings. Not to fix them, but to serve them. The beauty of those, man, I just feel like, wow, that's, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. And, and think, you know, think for yourself, what's an environment you've been in or maybe an experience you had where you really felt both empowered and responsible at the same time. And just think about the trust that grows out of that. When you're on a team or a congregation or you're at your local synagogue or your local nonprofit, whatever group you're with, if there's this real sense of an empowering view of God who empowers, a view, empowers us, in a sense of a theology of responsibility, those are the best people <laughs> to work with. They're the best. Because it's, it's, it ends up just, you, you know, you, you trust them. 
You just simply trust them. And that's where that Jesus follow me comes in because because that helps to point our efforts in, in a direction. It helps us to solve problems. Now this trust part Super significant. It, it, it matters a great deal where we, when we switch from walk with me to walk with us. Because this is trust, really, um, it becomes a foundational thing. It was, it was interesting, you know, working with some folks, working with a number of couples who have very different political perspectives and how does that work in their marriages? And is it possible to even have a marriage if you have two wildly different perspectives? And the answer, of course, is yes. Of course is yes. Empowerment and responsibility doesn't mean that we move in lockstep. It means that how we move is we move with trust. Doesn't mean we move in lockstep. It means we move in trust. Here's a beautiful share from from the author Seth Godin. In the midst of all of it, some people are still able to trust. To trust in others, to trust in possibility, and to trust themselves. And we see responsibility and empowerment all just embedded in those words. And here are some thoughts to think about. We are surrounded by opportunity. We are. We're surrounded by opportunity. We often get a second chance. So it's not about perfection, it's about progress. There are still problems to be solved. I don't think anybody would disagree with that one. (laughs) We learned something, and I would add this. We learned something along the way. You have learned something over your years here on earth. There's another advance right around the corner. There's there's some way we're going to be able to move it forward, knowing God gives us the enlightenment And the enlightenment is not to see the whole journey. The enlightenment is just to take the next step. And as always, there is a chance to make things better. Now, this particular blog post from Seth Godin that you're reading right now, it's the blog post that we actually used to title this series because I think think that idea of, of empowerment and responsibility leading into trust, that's what gives us a chance to make things better when we can somehow combine those, as God would have us do it. This is not some man-made creation. This next slide, super, super important, folks. Super important, especially if, if, if you're around those you love and you find that they're strange just because, well, just use politics or whatever, because you have such different opinions about things. This is about those who trust to join us on the journey, not about a conversion project. It's about trust on the journey, not a conversion project. Now, this is a part that that I want to say very subtly, and I don't want to overstate it. A version of a conversion project, to me, looks a lot like the temptation where the devil says, fall down and worship me, and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Here's devil, darkness, our corporeal selves, however you want to call it, the noise. And the temptation there is is this conversion project. Like, I need to convert you to this thing. 
I need to convert you to someone who worships the opinions that I have. It's so important. So important to see that as, as the darkness that it is. How many times do we do that? Well, we want a journey with people, but a very subtle sort of behind or our head, you know, sort of subtle, unstated agenda is that, and I really hope, matter of fact, I really demand that you will worship my opinions, that you will come to see the world exactly the way I do. You'll literally fall down and do that. If you're waiting for that, it's going to be a long time coming. I, I, I was laughing. I love working with couples. I mean, so many precious, precious couples that are part of New Church Live. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about, like, when you're out of the boat and you're arguing and stuff and you're so wanting your partner to see the world the way you do, so you're getting louder and angrier to try to force them to do that. That's that whole temptation, like, bow down and worship me. And, and, you know, as I remind couples, like, for all of us, me included, like, how many arguments have you solved from that place? How many times in the midst of that, as your beloved, and if you're not in a relationship, just think broader family structures, how many times has somebody gone like, you know, you're right. Your opinion is totally right. I am totally wrong. That's why I think God is calling us to this, you know, so again, this empowerment and responsibility and this trust. Falling down and worship me is very different than follow me as we move forward together. Falling down and worship me, very different than the idea of follow me as we move forward together. This power structure of fall down and worship me will not solve problems because it isn't concerned about solving problems. It's concerned about the debates over power, who has it and who doesn't. That's a zero-sum game. That's a fight. But this whole idea of like follow me and, and, and this whole idea of, of empowerment and responsibility and trust, it's not a fight, folks. It's a journey. It's a coming together. It's saying we can, we can be part of the healing here. We have a chance to make it better right here and right now. We can do this. There's an invitation here, not the demands of power, but the invitation of love. They can start to heal and start to move all of us forward. I love the way that Thomas Merton puts this. I would take a screenshot of that. It's a beautiful quote. Imparting hope to others has nothing to do with exhorting or cheering them on. And I would add from the sidelines there. It has everything to do with relationships that honor the soul, that encourage the heart, that inspire the mind that quicken the step and heal the wounds we suffer along the way.
Now, now, now what, do we, what do we find there? What's, what's, the, what's the piece that, that we find? What, what can we discover? I think we can do this. We can find a new hope, a new trust, a new freedom together, embedded in terms of the shared chance we have to make things better. As I was going through stuff this morning, I was thinking a lot about that idea of a new freedom. When we're debating, when the whole debate is around power and and falling down and worshiping one opinion or the other, I don't know that we're free. I'm not sure at all we're free. We're certainly not free to be in loving relationships in that particular scenario. But the good news is, the good news as we take this idea that we are to stand and follow, you know, there's a brand new freedom in that. Because I, I think we start to see, I think we start to see with, with, with childlike eyes again. You think of all the surprises that Jesus led these disciples on. I mean, we just know a handful of them. But man, what a journey. Man, what a good journey. What a way to stake a a claim, to take a stand, and to say, we do have this. We have a chance to make things better. As we close this sermon, you know, as we've closed all of these, I'm going to keep coming back to this. This idea that it's, that it's not necessarily anything big and fancy. Like, what's your chance today to, to, to follow? What's your chance to listen to Jesus and just listen to that follow me? You know, where is there a text, a call, a visit, or a gift you can give that helps to move that whole endeavor forward? I guarantee God will give you the answer. So friends, to close, let's pull together this idea of empowerment, an empowering view of God that gives us an empowered view of ourselves. Let's add to that a theology of responsibility. And if your theology, if your God logic tends to privatize your faith and not give you a theology of responsibility, I think we need to look at that. Let's celebrate those environments where that's true and let's celebrate the trust that that creates. And then let's move. Or at this congregation, I should say, let's keep moving. Let's keep doing these things. Because they matter. Because they matter. Thank you folks for joining us today. To close, I do want to remind you that you can join Coffee and Donuts, a wonderful small group that happens right after church. You'll see the link in in the live stream in the Facebook comment section. You could also, Angela will send you the link if you need it as well. So Coffee and Donuts, and if you'd like to join a small group, we have a number of them going on through the week. If you're super nervous and you want to sort of take a toe in and start, you know, join a small group, just putting a toe in, uh, in the shallow water, so to speak, feel free to join the one Rebecca and I are leading on Thursday nights. Again, you can text me if that interests you, 215 
715-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. Now what we're going to do, folks, to close is I'm going to offer a prayer. And after the prayer, we're going to do the Our Father prayer, followed by a blessing, and then we'll have our last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, thank you for this basic command of follow me. This basic command of follow me. Not a command of anger or a command of demand, but a command that really has the gentle flavor of an invitation. An invitation to follow you on our way home. Our way home as individuals, our way home as a community, our way home as a church. Lord, what a journey that is. Help us to find within it empowerment, responsibility, and trust. And most particularly, trust in each other that gives rise and trust to you and trust in you that gives rise to trust in each other, even though we may see the world oh so differently. Thank you for your presence. Be with us today. In your name we pray, amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends.